Hello and welcome to the Darren Clarkson King podcast. I'm Darren Clarkson King, whitewater kayaker in the Himalayas principally, and when I'm in the UK, I'm in Snowdonia in North Wales. Covid times, ooh, you know, this historical event that we're living through has edited me out in Snowdonia, and you guys and girls that listen to the podcast know that. But, in places around the world, and in England, and parts of Wales, Scotland and Ireland, I'm seeing people getting back in the boats. It's great, isn't it? Now in this podcast, you guys know that it's not endorsed by anyone, and that I do spend a vast amount of my time during the podcast drinking coffee. I'm not going to drink coffee today because i got hot chocolate, because it's raining outside. Anyway, let's get to the, uh, the matter in hand. And the matter in hand is Rodeo. Mmm. Nice hot chocolate, that. Yeah, the matter in hand is Rodeo. I've seen quite a lot of people doing flat water skills at the moment in little tiny boats. And that's great, you know, banging out a few ends or stern stalls, bow stalls, cartwheels. When I did Rodeo, as it was called back in the day, the cartwheel was quite elusive. I mean, we're talking the days of the hurricane by uh, by Prion, the Prion hurricane, or the dagger transition. Perception of the pirouette. Now that was a bugger to cartwheel. You know, I had a topper with a squash stern on it that I could cartwheel. But obviously we had to modify that boat. Mm. Excuse me, and now things have moved on, haven't they? You know, we've got boats that are, you know, shorter than your paddles, and I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. But the skill that I see, even from relative beginners into the into the world of trickery, is amazing. You know, linking moves, being very mobius in the way that you move around on the water. So that stuff could never have been dreamed of. You know, in hurricanes and transitions. That's just insane, isn't it? You know, people that have got, you know, very little river awareness can jump in a boat and very quickly link all those moves around and be like a ballet dancer. That's a beautiful thing. As a spectator, watching freestyle is a lot like watching ballet, isn't it? Everyone in freestyle has got a similar path to follow. There's an international score sheet. We all try and do, you know, a cartwheel or a split wheel or a monkey or a lunar orbit or a full loop. You know, that's crazy times. When I was competing, we called it rodeo, not freestyle. And rodeo, I know, has got connotations of cowboys and horses and bulls and all that sort of malarkey. But we called it, well, it was called hot dogging before, and I've mentioned this in a podcast. But as rodeo, they weren't the same sort of scoring. It was peer reviewed, really. You know, the, the judges had a discussion, and the format of each heat was sort of open. And people just went into the feature and did a trick. Maybe they did a paddle spin, or a pop out, or a pirouette. 
or they got on a wave to surf and they did a big shudder-rudder or they popped the spray deck and stood up on the seat. Remember seeing Nick Malabar, the bitches do that. And they surfed away. Oh, they got some juggling balls out of the buoyancy pocket and they juggled. There was none of this linking ends that we have now, but I mean, the boats were, were long. I remember watching the the Koei World Championships, and I may have spoken about this before on the podcast, and if I have, I don't apologise, because it's quite a pivotal time in the sport, really. I remember watching a video. Mm. Mm. Excuse me, I really shouldn't slurp, should I? I was watching a video of the Koei Worlds, where at Hell Hell on the Koei in the States, American paddlers were linking ends. They were going from a stern to bow transition. Brit paddlers were still busy doing paddle spins. Now, you know, EJ was in a dagger boat. Scott Shipley in a dagger. Corran, I think he had his hurricane. Sean Baker was in a hurricane. Bridget, Bridget who won the, uh, the female class. Bridget was in a hurricane. Big boats. Retaining in that hole. Scarred points. Whereas in Britain, you know, at the time, like I say, it was paddle spins and juggling, and if you washed out and smiled and blew a kiss at the judge, you probably scored some points. Now, it was in the mid-90s, I, was, I did my first international freestyle competition. I'm going to say freestyle in modern terminology. Maybe called rodeo back then when I did it. It was my first international, and it was in Canada. And I got myself a piranha. Acro 270. State of the art boat. State of the art at the time. The competition was on the Ottawa. At McCoy's or Phil's, I believe the name of the uh, the feature is. It's like a big V, uh, big V wave hole feature. And I remember getting to getting to Canada. Being really out of my depth. Travelling with British paddlers that were, in my opinion, you know, mega stars in the sport. Getting to this feature, being never seen a river so wide with so much volume in it, or a feature so intimidating. And I look back at the footage now, and the feature's not that intimidating, and it's got a big green tongue down the middle, uh, straddled it either side with a, with a hole, and then there's a, a wave at the back of it called Babyface. I'm sure somebody somewhere is going to tell me exactly what that feature's called. I think it's called McCoy's, but it, quite, it could be Phil. Phil's hole's above it, I think, so it's McCoy. Anyway, and I remember the first day of paddling into that feature. My heart was beating in my chest so much. I'd forgotten how to paddle. All my muscles went stiff. And I could do nothing except side surf and panic. Yeah. But as the week progressed towards the fight, the competition, I got used to the feature. Not that I did very well in the fe- in the competition. Excuse me. But what stuck with me over all these years is that the the competition just drew the best out of people. I remember sitting in the eddy, sitting next to paddlers like EJ. EJ had just moved over from Dagger to Wavespot. He was in a Wavespot Kinetic. Dan Gavir was there. There was the prototype fly. Prion was there. 
Saint Benedict in his uh, whiplash. RPMs were still ruling the roost. Pete Orton, no relation to Ben. Pete Orton was there, C1 in his RPM. Corrin had the Dagger Fury, and that was the first time I saw anyone do a flat spin on the green wave. Insane to think, insane to think. Now, you know, as the sport develops, flat spins on green waves are commonplace. Dancing around magically, defining the law, you know, changing the laws of physics like Benny Maher does. You know, we sort of take that as normal now, but it was just a whole new world back then. The, the day of the the uh, day of the competition came. Big speak, big sound speakers erected, crowds on the bank. You sit in that eddy and you wait for your ride. Now I was you used to the sort of old format, the format that we had in Britain at the time, where you had a heat, and you just went into the feature. You had a bit of fun, like I've said. You washed out. Somebody else went in. You know, six boats of heat, and then the top three went through and. To the next round and so on and so forth but now this is a minute ride or 45 second ride and all the eyes are on you i can still remember it the music beats boom boom and it was all some drum and bass or jungle or something like that and you set off into the feature and your timer starts music beating boom Boom, boom. Crowd cheering and clapping. Nobody booing. Nobody boos, which is really good. And I hit that feature and I'd forgotten even how to do a flat spin on the corner of a hurl. And I remember going in for my first ride and just rattling around in that hole, trying to do something, but my brain just would not work. Nothing would work. It took me all my strength to just hold on. I remember catching an edge in my 270 and flipping poof, washing out and back paddling just just as i hit baby face wave to do a, into a back surf and a big skyward back loop and landing back on the face of the wave and waiting for my next ride now back in britain while i was paddling with paddlers that i thought far exceeding my personal ability i still thought i was a cool kid i had this really nice purple patagonia dry top which you know i had for quite a number of years it's a shame they don't make them anymore patagonia dry top and when i worked in norway in the back end of the 90s worked for a company called troll mountain which is now called troll active if anybody wants to work out there these guys are really, it's a really good company but anyway there was a guy called Vikram Joshi that worked an Indian guy. And at the end of the season, I gave him my Patagonia dry top. Thinking, you know, late 90s, I'm never going to see Vikram again. He can have my dry top. And as the years moved on, and I carried on being a river bum, I turned up to a friend's house in Greater Kailash in Delhi. And sat in the corner of the room, eating pizza with Vikram Joshi. We'd been apart for 10, 12, 13 years. And there's Vikram having pizza. Me and Vikram are really good friends and if you ever need to know the history of Indian kayaking, he's one of the guys you need to look at. 
especially for the Ganges area. But I digress. Back to the back to the freestyle to the rodeo. That time in Canada sort of acted as a catalyst for me not to do much uh, much freestyle paddling because I didn't like the pressure of that two minute ride. You know, the two one minute rides and then moving to the next and moving to the next. And as I look back, I have the greatest admiration for paddlers that want to do that with their time. To practice and practice and practice and practice and practice. And then pinpoint it all down to a minute or 45 seconds. Some paddlers are really good at it. And they can focus. But I can't. I, my mind drifts. I just, I just can't focus in that time frame. Uh, you know, I watch people at Chester Weir or... or watch people on the worlds and I still tune into you know the freestyle world when it live streams and watch it and it's a magical thing to watch as these boats dance and flip it does concern me a little bit that you've got scoring sheets but I get it I get it I understand it you know you have to have a scoring sheet for people to know where they sit in a competition, I thought I'd get that. But when you're just doing river play and you're having a good fun with your mates, maybe at Hurley or on the D somewhere or somewhere in Scotland, and you're just playing about, I'm not quite sure if we've lost a bit of sort of free expression. I see very few paddlers these days doing paddle spins and smiling at the mates and egging each other on. You know, one paddler will pull out and do, say, a cartwheel, you know, into a loop, but won't continue to rattle through the moves. They'll just do a simple sequence and then eddy out, and then the mate will follow it and tag something on the end with a smile on the face and a bit of banter back and forth. I don't see that. I see people dropping into features and working for that 45 seconds or trying to work for that 45 seconds. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, you know, because I'm sure it does. I'm sure, you know, some people do that. But it's just not what you see in the social media game. When was the last time I saw anybody, you know, do a classic shudder rudder? You know? And I suppose if you've been brought up in the era of short bloat, short playboats and, you know, swanky short playboating paddles and matching gear, then you probably don't know what a shudder rudder is. You know, if you're a digital native. I've not seen anyone sit in a hole and juggle for a long time. Which is probably a good thing, you know. But it seems to me that the sport's got a bit serious. But I think it probably has to. You know, if it has to compete on the world stage and everyone has to have the same platform. And uh, that, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Do people get into... Playboating to work on a system that's the same across the globe. Do people get into kayaking to work on a system that's the same across the globe? There are certain rules and certain truths that we have to accept that are global. But for me, especially when it comes to rivers, there's a lot of freedom in that. Uh, as we run a river, you know, while there are certain, you know, accepted truths that we have to understand, 
we have a certain freedom of expression of how we run that river because it's not points based. You know, we don't have to catch Eddie on the left, Eddie on the right, etc, etc, in a certain style. Although as time moves on and coaching practice moves on, there seems to be a drive by some coaches to say this is the only way that you need to paddle forwards and this is the only way to make that move. And I'm sure that for some people it works really well, but for others it doesn't, does it? We're all different, we all have di different physicalities and different goals and ambitions. The way we make the eddy, the way we edge our turns, the way we even decide not to get an eddy. It should all be down to our own choices. And I do see it on rivers where people sort of push their own values onto other people within the sport. Again, there are certain things that are true internationally, whether it be river signals or right of way on a river. They are like standard things that you need to know. But other things, you can be a bit more fluid on, I think, and I think we need to be in a position where we can just settle into the rhythm of the river. Just because I want to get the eddy on, you know, the inside of the bend and not the outside of the bend. I kill my line of sight, I know that. But if I want to ferry across to get my line of sight, that should be fine. If I know the bend, you know, I might not even need to do that. But that's probably a discussion for another day. And again, I've gone off topic, which is not really like me, is it, at all? Because I stay dead online when I'm talking on these podcasts. Obviously, I don't divert anywhere. This podcast, I want to talk about freestyle rodeo. I want to talk about Acro 270s. I want to talk about Wayspark Kinetics. And it's nice to see that those designs are coming back. It's nice to see that there's boats like the Ripper, like the Rewind, the Rexy. You know, all these sort of boats. What's interesting is the second-hand market in the UK as well is that people are charging good money for old boats which I'm not quite convinced about, you know, boats that are decades or more, two decades old, you know, they're probably not up to it really, you know, especially if they've not been stored safely, the UV damage and all that lot, safety advancements have come on a long way. So if you are buying a slicey boat for doing those kind of things, especially you know, stern dips, stern dips or screw-ups, they're really cool things to do. Uh, slicey boats, you're going to win with that. You know, if you don't want to be sat doing loads of cartwheels on the flat, long boats and stern dips and screw ups, perfect. Buy squirt boating and beyond if you need a book. It's, it's a squirt boating book, but it'll tell you how to get the most out of river play as well. <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to drink this hot chocolate. You know, I've rattled down. I've not really gone anywhere with this discussion, and I would open a, you know, a nice discussion in a coffee shop if we're ever allowed. So if you see me pottering around in a coffee shop, which I really want to do after this is all done and we're allowed to travel, if you see me in an eddy at some point, let's discuss, you know, freedom of expression and how we run the rapids, or freedom of expression when we, uh, we do river play. Or we can discuss why it's really important that we have an international system across the globe to classify ballet in a wave and a hole, because that's really what it is, isn't it? It's ballet or figure skating. 
But the people that do that are genuinely skilled. Genuinely skilled. I'm going to go back to this. You know, if you've been paddling for not a great deal of time, and maybe you don't have the best, you know, river sense in the world, but you can bang out a couple of flat water cartwheels and you can do a flat water loop. Your skill level is superb. You know, that's something I could never dream of doing back in the days when I had that sort of thing. I can't dream of doing it now because I don't have a play, but, you know, I don't want to paddle a boat that's shorter than my paddles. But that's just me. Everyone have a great time. Get on the water when you can. Be safe. Be happy. Smile. Do a shudder. They learn how to do a shudder. And if I see anybody surfing a wave on a river, popping the deck and standing up, I'm going to buy them a pint. Anyway, like I say, Darren Clarkson King Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you've got any questions, bang them in the comments on Podbean. Stick them in the comments on Facebook. You guys know the drill, innit? You know, we, we know all this. Be safe. Have a great time. You know, if I keep talking more than this now, my chocolate's going to get cold, isn't it? Yeah. Get excited for when we can get back out. And I'll speak to you all later.